My name is Ian Burns. I'm the president and CEO of Service Credit Union. We understand that money can be complex, emotional, and sometimes uncomfortable as a topic to navigate. In our over 80 plus years in helping our members with financial fitness, we've seen a lot. Welcome to Open Money, a podcast series by Service Credit Union. Through our guest stories, we will unpack the emotional relationships that people have with money in an open, raw, and respectful way. We will be diving into the emotion and challenges in managing one's finances and the resources to help you feel good about your money. Let's get into it. Every parent wants to brag about their child's professional success. I'm pretty sure my mother delighted in being able to tell all her friends that her daughter was a chartered professional accountant. Yes, part of it was due to the prestige of the profession, but the other part was most definitely because accounting is one of those secure jobs that pays really well. So needless to say, when I informed my mother that I was quitting my job to start my own business, the worry in her voice said it all. How would you make money? How would you pay the bills? What about your pension or simply your health benefits? We both had very different perspectives and values of how you should make money. My values were focused on doing what I love and less about making the money. Whereas my mother held a view common in her generation that you work for money. It doesn't matter whether you like your job or not. Your job pays the bills. So you better be grateful you even have a job and suck it up, buttercup. I see this disconnect time and time again with my own clients. They grapple with wanting to hold their own financial goals or chart their own financial destinies, but stay stuck in also wanting to ensure they choose this financial future that their parents approve of. They desire to live with more freedom and often live a financial life that is more than their parents were able to provide. We may hold different financial goals and values than our parents. And the reality is that our kids will likely hold different views than we do too. We may all strive to be financially fit and sponsors service credit union would certainly agree with that. But that can mean something different to every person. The idea of a good life can be subjective, and so is the idea of where we choose to spend our money. The society we grew up in, the state of the economy, or other major world factors like living through a war, a pandemic, or climate change can impact the ways in which different generations value where they put their money. This is something we all need to work at being okay with. I believe in the end, The key is that we learn to communicate and respect each other's values and financial decisions so that we can each have the freedom to live in alignment with our own financial dreams. Andrea Crisp has always wanted to help others. Her career spans from music teacher to pastor to her current focus on mindset and empowerment coaching. It took her some time to land on a career path that felt right for her. And in doing that, she incurred some debt. Growing up with boomer parents, Andrea's parents generally stuck to one career. Her mom was a medical secretary and her dad a police officer. They put in their time, retired, and are gathering their pensions. It was precisely the way they envisioned their financial future and some of what they hoped to impart to Andrea. Financial stability you can depend on. Andrea appreciated the value of that perspective, but could tell something about it didn't quite gel for her. My parents have this view of their financial future as in it is fixed. It is 
only going to be one thing. And I think growing up, I learned that from them, but I also wanted more. And so for me, just thinking about having things that I could do, like to travel, to save for, you know, really exciting things in my business, to have vehicles or multiple properties, you know, seems like how I want to live versus, you know, they went and got a job to get a pension, then to go to Florida and kind of live a life like that. So two very different ways of approaching our financial futures. Originally, Andrea wanted to be a singer-songwriter and pursued a degree in music. Understanding there is often little stability in that line of work and hearing her parents' voice in the back of her mind, she pivoted upon graduation to become a high school music teacher. After 10 years, she pivoted again to become a pastor where she could put her music degree to work as she directed choirs among her other duties. Perhaps not the highest paying job, But being a pastor did offer a lot of credibility, and she could sense her parents felt some pride in that. But as another 10 years went by, Andrea felt the call, this time to become a mindset coach. She had no schooling in the field and knew she'd have to reinvest in her education and build this business from scratch. As any entrepreneur starting out will tell you, taking that path most certainly doesn't guarantee you a pension or even a steady paycheck. Andrea's folks had trouble understanding why she would switch career paths again and disrupt her cash flow that way. When I decided to go to university, that was the first thing. I chose a university that was in the United States. So there was exchange rate. It was, you know, vastly more expensive than anything else I could have done here. You know, when I graduated, I thankfully did work in the field that I was in. But then beyond that, I decided to become a coach. And so there was a lot of, you know, new things that I had to invest in, certifications and other coaches and trying to figure out how I was going to, you know, live my life to the best of my ability. But all the while, the landscape of our financial, you know, life was changing. Right. And so I was already incurring debt from being in school, paying that off to then turn around and change what I'm doing now to then pay that off. So, you know, for them, that was like, well, why aren't you doing that? Just get a job. And as my dad says, get a job with a pension. (laughs) Andrea felt she had made the right choice in changing careers again, but debt continued to mount. She had been taught that all debt is inherently irresponsible. She's still trying to break herself free of that mindset, but that really is years of unlearning. Yeah, anything from, you know, learning about how I could coach better, so certifications within coaching itself, then how to grow a business, and then things to grow in my business. And all the while, like, it just kind of felt like it was getting you know, higher and higher and higher and higher. And it was really hard for me uh, at the beginning because I thought this should be paying off a lot faster, a lot sooner. And I really had to do a lot of work around really understanding money mindset, you know, good debt and bad debt and what that looks like and kind of freeing myself a little bit of the shame of what I had to invest in and realizing this is actually for my professional growth and not just because I'm like out buying a pair of shoes or, you know, spending more money on a vacation that I can't afford. So it was, it was understanding that a bit better. 
But even as she tried to shift her thinking around good debt and bad debt, shame crept in. It takes the form of her parents' voice in her head, repeating the financial advice of their generations. And I've spent all of this money, and is it for nothing? And are they going to be like, you know, we told you so? Or, you know, am I going to be scraping by from now until, you know, I die and then never have a pension because I never got a job with a pension. So there's a lot of shame around, is this the right decision to make? Am I spending wisely? What do they think about it? Um, How do I rationalize it to myself and justify it to myself? And also, you know, not worry about what they're thinking all the time so that I can make decisions for myself. I was so afraid that it was going to disappoint them. I'm a firstborn in the family. I am someone who's always done, quote unquote, the right thing and been the reliable, you know, one in my family. And I was like, I am being what I thought was unreliable and not making wise decisions. And I was so afraid to disappoint them by saying, and here's the the kicker, to say, I'm in debt. Eventually, Andrea couldn't take it anymore. Hiding a part of her life and living with that shame became worse than acquiring more debt. She had this internal reckoning and knew it was time to sit her parents down and tell them the truth. But I am not apologizing for being in debt. I'm apologizing for keeping you in the dark about me being in debt. And I am still going to make decisions to serve where I'm going. So I'm not, you know, saying, oh, okay, I'm going to change everything and don't worry, I'm going to get out of debt. It was like, no, I'm, I'm basically telling you and coming, bringing this into the light and telling you that I'm going to continue to work towards my own good and finding things that serve me so that I can have the future I desire. So it was a big conversation. You know, they took it really well. I think like, you know, regular parents, I think there was a little bit of like, oh, it was a bit of a letdown, which if they hadn't been let down, I might've been a little bit concerned. Um, But they were also like, okay. And so I think that's really like, it was like, it was just so freeing because every other conversation post that one was really, um, I didn't worry so much about what I was saying or, you know, talking about things because I felt like I was almost having to hide parts of what I was doing just so that I wasn't talking about money. And that felt like I was hiding part of myself. And the thing that I really love doing in my business, coaching and, and, and kind of having this life, I don't want to keep in the dark from the people who love me the most and who I love the most. So it was really important to have that conversation and to really get it all out in the open. And I have to trust that I am being guided internally to do what is good for me. And that may not, you know, look like what they grew up with. It may not look like what their picture of my life should have been, but I'm I'm okay with that. And and I really do honestly have this hope that I am truly successful in what I do. And that at the end of the day, they're going to look back and go, we're so glad you bet on yourself. For Andrea, telling her folks was a huge weight off her shoulders. And whatever personal story they may have, Andrea is also aware that parts of their financial understanding is bigger than them. It is generational. 
something neither her parents nor Andrea can control. Like, you know, I did feel that because I don't know that they completely understand comments that they make about, you know, um, people in our family buying vehicles or, you know, buying homes that are, you know, to them very expensive. It's like, you know, they're going to be paying that off forever. And it's like, yeah, but anyone who's buying anything right now, that's kind of where we're at. They only are living through their own lens. So when it comes to investing or when it comes to, you know, purchasing a home or, you know, vehicles or traveling or any of those things, like they don't understand because it is a very different landscape. And they are, you know, financially savvy to a degree where they've done, you know, well for themselves and they're able to like spend their winters in Florida, which is great for them. But they, they set themselves up for that. They got exactly what they desired. And, you know, I feel like they just feel like if I could replicate that, then I would be good. But it's not possible to replicate that. So I've got to do something different. Louis Liu is a senior advisor for Service Wealth Strategies at Service Credit Union. He acknowledges that most of his clients are boomers, most of whom are concerned with their finances as they relate to real estate and retirement funds. Millennials, not surprisingly, have less money, but a greater tolerance for risk, mainly based on the fact that they have more years ahead of them to play with and grow their funds. And he says, where each generation gets their financial news from is also an interesting factor. Yeah, I think for myself, a common point of contention that I see between boomers and millennials is mostly focused around risk. Um, and particularly risk with relation to investment decisions. So, um, and we think that's completely logical, right? There's never one right answer with regards to the degree of risk tolerance that one should have when considering their investment opportunities. But by nature, risk is a very contentious topic in and of itself, and there's no one-size-fits-all solution. Um, Besides intergenerational differences with risk, boomers are more open, I think, on average, to financial planning strategies, such as retirement planning strategies, risk management strategies, um, while millennials are more open to things like investment strategies, right? The more hot topic that goes around these days. Um, And this all goes back to life stage, uh, I'd like to say. Uh, Boomers are born between 46 and 65, which means that their ages are between 56 and 72. And this means most boomers are in their mature or late earning years. You know, they're preparing for retirement or they are already in retirement. Naturally, the more relevant concerns when you're in these stages is you're focusing on retirement and you're focusing on risk management, right? Boomers tend to ask us, hey, with what I've saved up, how do I make the most of it for my retirement? What tax implications do I need to consider when I'm drawing down on my savings? How do I protect myself from risk? And how do I protect my legacy and ensure my loved ones are taken care of in the event that something happens to me? Whereas, you know, on the flip side, millennials born between 81 and 96, and they're about 26 to 41, we understand why our boomers, parents, and and friends and colleagues are asking those questions, but retirement is still far off for us. Um, in our minds, we're focused on growing our wealth for the long term, right? Our, our time horizon is a lot longer. We ask our advisors, what kinds of long-term investment strategies are at my disposal? Uh, while boomers are saying to us, here's my money, please don't lose it. You know, millennials are saying to us, here's my Bitcoin. I want to take a look at some long-term investment strategies to set myself up for the next 20, 30 years so that I can retire. It's such a controversial topic that 
intragenerational differences also happen. Like a 56-year-old baby boomer likely has a very different risk tolerance compared to a 70-year-old baby boomer. That's just the nature of it all, right? Uh, a millennial in their 20s likely has a similar amount of capital, uh, a smaller amount of capital, sorry, to work with compared to a millennial in their late 30s or early 40s. However, there's definitely a trend. We see this commonly with things like real tangible investments, like real estate versus um, virtual intangible investments like cryptocurrency, right? Um, whereas millennials have a little bit more experience with the latter. And I think boomers definitely have a little bit more of a preference for the former. Um, further, millennials have, you know, on average, more sources of information that consistently are relied on as opposed to boomers. Just within the social media space alone, you know, unconventional sources like Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, you know, that sounds funny, but they are slowly replacing more conventional sources like email newsletters like Bloomberg, CNN, Morningstar. Now, keep in mind, though, that just because there are more sources of information, that doesn't mean that these sources are credible. This fast media culture also means that there are more opportunities for misinformation. Um, and I never want to lump in any individuals with any certain group or stereotype or generation. Uh, there are plenty of boomers that I'm friends with, that I work for, that I work with, and they're far more savvy at utilizing these new forms of technology than I am. Um, but I think there is a trend. But Lewis says he also notices some common ground between the generations, financially speaking, like feeling a sense of connection with their financial institutions and being understood as a community, a demographic, and above all else, treat it like a person rather than a number. I think both generations actively look for new innovative ways to manage their money, right? Um, I think gone are the days when you'd have to physically go to a branch and for every financial transaction. Nowadays, we want to and we're looking for to have our finances at our fingertips, right? We're thirsty for information. Um, building off of that, we want the finance institution that works for us to offer multiple ways of banking solutions and make it easy and efficient for us to bank. Um, so I'm, I'm seeing more and more people seek responsible banking solutions as well. Uh, millennials and boomers alike, they, they want to conduct business with reputable institutions that have a footprint in their communities. You know, no more cold money churning mega corporations. The vote is out. We want to bank with organizations that are involved in their communities, that have a great reputation in the media, and frankly, treat you like a human being. Working closely with both generations, Lewis knows something everyone wants is to be financially fit. That is, worry about our money as little as possible. But as folks from different generations go about that in different ways, Lewis says both generations can work on being sympathetic of the other. Definitely the first thing that we need to do is educate ourselves on topics that may seem boring and irrelevant at this stage of our lives. I'm talking about topics like estate and will planning, right? Business succession, insurance, risk management. Topics that when I bring that up to you, you think to yourself, oh, you know what, that's not going to happen to me, or it's too early in my life to think about that. I'll just worry about it later. Or, you know, I'll let someone else worry about it. Because I'm telling you guys, this is going to be relevant for you sooner than you think. You know, get ahead of it. Think of it as a long-term investment. Ask your advisor for more information and advice on how to approach these topics. Because one day, either you're going to have to deal with these topics with your parents' finances or maybe help your colleagues and friends, or you're going to have to prepare for your own. Right. Talk to your parents about their financial values and some of their pressing viable concerns. Um, identify areas where you can help them get ahead. 
Work with their advisor to understand how to prepare accordingly. And trust me, both your parents and your future self is going to be better off because of it. I think millennials have a bad rep with other generations. <laughs> um, and maybe we did that to ourselves, you know, but I have friends and members that are boomers and I always get jokes about our generation. Like your generation is always looking for shortcuts or your day to day revolves around your smartphone. And I mean, yeah. It's, it's true. <laughs> and I always joke back, hey, I'm, I'm sorry I didn't walk 50 miles to school seven days a week and uphill both ways. But hey, you're right. Like, I do want to work smart, right? Um, I do want to have information at my fingertips when I need it, how I need it, um, which means that we do actively seek out new unconventional investment strategies. And we are willing to take on risk because we have a longer time horizon. Jen Betts is the CEO of both the Calgary and Edmonton Institutes of Counseling. She's dealt with many clients of different generations attempting to find common ground with each other. She says the heart of these conflicts is about learning not just to understand those who might have different values to your own, but to respect them, even if those people are your parents or children. Generations with different values, especially different financial values, says Jen, are often at the root of the conflict. So the conflicts and challenges that I see that arise is they value things differently. They have different priorities. And because of that, they're, they butt heads often. Some boomers would value paying off their mortgage right away, putting all their monies in RSPs. But then millennials doesn't matter if they have a mortgage. They want to travel. They want to enjoy life. And so there's quite a lot of conflicts that come up. And it's always around like what people want to do, their values, their needs, all those things. And so they butt heads because they are on the absolute opposite spectrum. The concept of values is intrinsically linked to investment of any kind. Jen says boomers often believe financial investment outweighs investments in other intangible areas like time and energy, and that the return those investments may provide rarely outweighs money in the hand. We have a lot of millennials that come to our agency and sometimes their parents will pay for their counseling, but often they'll only pay for a handful of sessions because that's enough and now you can move on and you're better. And so the way they they talk about money is different. I would rather feel healthy. I would rather get myself feeling better than put my money into RRSPs. But boomers would say, well, no, like you have to start putting away money for retirement. You can't afford $200 a session for a psychologist. That's, that's, that's way too much money. That could be in your investments and then life would be so much better. It's basic human nature to want to protect your children. Jen says that for boomers, money in the bank is core to their concept of security. Pushback from their millennial children on the issue can cause a deep sense of biological panic. I think what's happening is parents are going into fight or flight mode. And so parents are either really anxious and, you know, putting that on their kids and worried about money or they're going into fight mode. And they are going to make sure their child listens to them because this is the way you do it. And this is the way you're going to be okay in life. I need my kids to be okay. So I'm going to fight them on this. And unfortunately, it ends up in conflict. What it is, is, is it's boomers loving their children because again, their priorities are not wrong. They're just different. And so it ends up in, in fights 
because parents are just trying to say like, please just listen, I want you to be okay. I want you to survive, right? If we go into a recession, if whatever happens, I need you to have some savings in your bank account. And if millennials aren't willing to listen because they they value different things, which is completely okay, parents are going to get angrier because they're going to get more and more scared of what's going to happen to their child. While parents and children might famously not see eye to eye on a variety of topics, Jen says the concept of differing views on finances shouldn't be differently approached than any other attempt at conflict resolution. Like I said, it's about learning to speak the same language. It's about learning to be heard. But we need to bring down the tensions, bring down the fight or flight mode, open our ears on both sides, and hear it from a loving perspective. I care so much about you. I'm worried about if a recession were to hit Canada here, groceries are so expensive, and your car goes and now you don't have money to repair your car and you can't get to work. How are you ever gonna pay your bills? I'm worried for you. And so if we can bring down the tensions, if we can hear one another, have someone even Um, kind of mediate between it, right? Like a family counselor, a psychologist or something like that so that people can hear each other. It is all done in love. It is. But we don't hear one another. We're so stuck in fight or flight mode. And then that makes the millennial fight even more. And like, of course, I'm not going to listen to my parents. They're yelling at me. Why would I ever listen? And so we just need to bring those tensions down and we need to be heard. It needs to be a respectful, loving, I call them honest and validating conversations. We have to validate, like, I'm so glad you love to travel. I'm so glad that you're loving your life. It's so beautiful to see how happy you are. I'm also concerned that you don't have any savings. How can we figure this out together? And so if I think if people took that approach more often, there'd be less tension. At its core, the issue is not only about two different generations coming from two very different frameworks about what money is for and how it should be treated. Those two generations also happen to be each other's parents and children. The extra emotional layers that adds to the topic can make it especially fraught. In the end, money is just a resource, much like time and energy is too. Two things are true at the same time. We can't take any of those resources with us when our time is up. And we want the people we love to be safe. And not just understanding, but respecting each other's very different values is likely ground zero for common ground. On the next episode of Open Money, we're looking at mortgages, big emotions, big commitments, and the emotional status around the concept of home ownership. Open Money is written and produced by Julia De Laurentiis Johnston. It's hosted by me, Vanessa Bowen, with help from Ian Burns, Service Credit Union CEO. Content strategy is by Chris T. Our theme song is by Andrew Austin. Ryan Thompson of Hot Slice Media edits our show. And Open Money is a production of Service Credit Union. Thank you to our guests this episode, Andrea Chris, Louis Liu, and Jen Betts, for lending us their time to record this show remotely. If you like what you heard, give us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts and tell a friend about Open Money too. I'm Vanessa Bowen. Thanks for listening and talk to you soon. Service Credit Union, feel good about your money. <laughs>